Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Let's welcome back to the program Fox News legal analyst Phil Holloway, former assistant district attorney. He's also a member. We're going to talk about COVID, Rational Ground COVID Policy Think Tank. That's one of our topics. Phil, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. Always happy to be with you guys. A lot going on, Phil. Let's, uh, let's start with the Hunter Biden stunt from this morning. Now, you know, I've acknowledged this um, this afternoon that there's no doubt it was a stunt. But I also, and I have Congressman Smith uh, from Ways and Means, and he was in that room this morning coming up here in just a little bit. Why not, and I'll ask Jason this question, why not call their bluff? Say, okay, you're in the room. We know that we wanted you deposed, but you're here. Let's ask some questions. Because it seems to me in the PR battle, the Democrats may have won. They have media advantage built in. Your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think the general public really cares much way one way or the other about this, but it, it was a stunt for sure. But the reason they can't just launch directly into a, a public hearing, it's it's sort of like if you're getting ready for a like a civil trial, you got to have your depositions first. So everybody gets prepared for the big show, and you don't want to um, you, you don't want to ask these questions really without knowing what the answers are, which is why you have the uh, the deposition type interview beforehand. And during that closed door, private sort of thing where the cameras aren't there, you don't get the witnesses that get to basically take take over the room like he was obviously doing today. So you remember those old videos, if you've ever seen them, of Jimmy Hoffa sparring with uh, you know Robert Kennedy uh, when he was attorney general oh, sure. back in the 60s. Absolutely. And, and you had Hoffa just kind of uh, basically taking over the room and uh, being very, you know, abusive and abrasive and insulting, and it kind of made Kennedy look silly in some ways. So, so that's what they they do. They they get the the meat of it uh, of out of the witness that they need in the private setting, and then they they save the public for later after they get their ducks in a row. So this was an interesting moment. You know, I think it caught a lot of people off uh, guard, including people at Fox, the Democrats. Some of them obviously knew that it was going to happen. He's in the room. They're trying to grill him. Nancy Mace has some great moments, kind of calling him out. And then as Marjorie Taylor Greene's about to maybe ask some questions. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, apparently you're afraid of my going? words. Whoa. Uh, here That's when he walked out. <laughs> oh... I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, that didn't work out so well because he just left the room. Now, obviously, the other thing we're mentioning, there's a documentary that they're making about him. There's no doubt that the cameras were following him. That was part of the stunt for the documentary as well, Phil. Yeah, that, that's it. That's all it was. And, of course, you know, you saw him as he walked out. There was some questions shouted by reporters. 
to which he gave snarky, you know, non-answer answers. And that's that's all you would have seen if they had um, sort of taken the opportunity to go ahead and question him in the room that day. You know, this, uh, though, I mean, really this shows that he does have nothing but contempt for the process. And uh, I said this to Harris Faulkner today and on Monday when I talked to her, I said, look, you know, if the attorney, the U.S. attorney in D.C. doesn't prosecute him, he's just going to look silly. He won't have any credibility because he was able – he had no problem taking uh, people that were affiliated with the previous administration uh, and prosecuting them for simply you know, not showing up. This guy goes in the parking lot and basically you know, dares them to find him in contempt, and then today he shows up in their house. Uh, and gives them the proverbial middle finger, essentially saying, you know, look, um, I'm thumbing my nose at you. Uh, and so, yeah, this is all contemptuous. Uh, and if this were a court of law, he would have been thrown in jail on the spot. There's no question about that. You mentioned the uh, the question. So he didn't really talk much. He walks out of that room. You know, they're shouting questions at him. Some people are saying, what kind of crack did you prefer? And then Hillary Vaughn from Fox a- actually gets a response to a certain extent. Mr. Biden, why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners if he had no involvement in your business? Do you have a dad? Did he call you? Yes. Answer the phone? Yes. Okay. But why did you need to talk to him during business meetings if he had nothing to do with your business? Phil, that seemed like another moment that was absolutely scripted for the documentary film cameras because obviously he, he asked the question of the Fox reporter. He even says, I think, after that, you're despicable or something like that. Said you're dangerous. Yeah, yeah you're dangerous. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, like I said, this is, this is all choreographed. It's, it's PR. You know, as a trained lawyer, which I'm told that he is, as is his father, allegedly, uh, these people ought to know that when you're in a, when you're a hole, uh, even a legal hole, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. And he just keeps digging and digging and digging. Uh, I, I have no idea who this documentary audience is going to be. I'm certainly not interested in seeing it because the man is showing us that he's really a career criminal that's, uh, you know, with, with a nice suit on uh, and who has access to the White House for the moment. So he's he's just got um, one thing after another, and he can add um, probably, I would imagine, if uh, the, the U.S. attorney's not going to have much of a real choice now, he's probably going to have another uh, crime of contempt of Congress to add to his uh, growing criminal history. Phil, let me kind of segue into some COVID stuff. You know that we, I know you were tweeting about this. We were communicating last week when our mayor, Tashara Jones, tried to (laughs) put this edict down for city employees. It wasn't for the entire city, but those of us who were following this were like, oh, here we go again. This is what they want to do. And then this all moved very quickly, as you know, because she, they put out a memo that the health department says you got to wear masks and then they got to roll it back very quickly because our governor got involved in it made it very clear that it was just simply not legal. But this kind of goes to the broader issue of the anticipation of everyone. You could see it in the L.A. Times, the New York Times, the Washington Post. They love to scare people about this stuff. And they tried last week, but they didn't quite get there in St. Louis, Phil. Well, they're they're losing their relevance. The the Covidians who just are addicted to panic and addicted to fear and particularly bureaucrats like the one there in, in St. Louis who tried this silly mask mandate, they uh, they, they just do these things to flex their muscles, to try to help reassure themselves that they still, in fact, have their little bureaucratic power, that they're, you know, king of their bureau- bureaucratic little hill. 
Uh, and so they they continue to do these things despite the fact that they, they don't work. They've got no proven um, efficacy in stopping anything except the enjoyment of life. And, uh, and, and they, they just cannot let go. They are addicted to it. They keep trying it over and over to try to get back to the glory days of 2020. Uh, and eventually, I think this may fizzle out for the most part. But I'm sure that in some places, um, I can think of places like San Francisco, well, San Francisco and for Seattle sure. yeah. and places like, you know, it's, it's going to be an annual thing every year in cold and flu season. They're going to they're going to keep virtue signaling and trying to show you that they're smarter than you by wearing their mask. There was a video that went viral today from San Francisco where they're all in the city council yeah. chambers cheering on, you know, basically yeah. being anti-Semitic, cheering on the Palestinians. And, you know, 90 percent of the room had masks on and it just made me laugh. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Now, I've tied this in yesterday, and there's another development on this today. Did you take the time, I wish a lot of people would see this, to watch Aaron Rodgers and uh, what he said about Fauci and COVID yesterday with Pat McAfee? No, I missed that one. So, Phil, you, you should watch it. And see, here's the thing. This is getting discombobulated out there because of the Jimmy Kimmel feud that Rodgers had. And, and that's only part of it. And by the way, the update is, is that McAfee announces today on his show, Aaron Rodgers has gone on every Tuesday for I don't know how long and, you know, built the ratings of that show. And basically they canceled him because of this dust up with Kimmel. But outside of, and I'm not going to repeat all, rehash all the stuff with Kimmel and the Epstein list, but I'm going to say that he went into a really, really good mantra yesterday, Aaron Rodgers did, about COVID. And you know how people keep saying, why do you keep bringing up COVID? And his point is because of all the things that they did in the past. Like there's different opinions all over the place, right? If you're, if you're, that's your ideology, that's fine. I'm not a super political person, okay? Do whatever you want. Uh, conspiracy theorists, that's fine. Because if you look at the track record of conspiracy theorists in the last few years, they've been right about a lot of things. Well, as I pointed out yesterday, he's not wrong about that. I mean, I, I think that if you look at the track record of some of the kooky things that he was accused of saying a few years back, uh, he's been vindicated. But I, I meant to play this, but I think this one's a little better. Hang on. This is what people don't understand. It had to be that there were zero early treatments that worked against COVID, right? So what did Dr. Fauci say? There was nothing. There was nothing they could do. All they did, this, oh, yes. is, this, is, this is the protocol. Protocol. Somebody gets sick, right? Send them home till they got really horrible, horrible uh, <laughs> symptoms, and then bring them back and put them on remdesivir, which is $3,000 per dose, and a ventilator. And the, the statistics are staggering about people who went uh, especially on ventilators, especially the the elderly. And it's it's devastating. 
and and extremely sad. Now, he goes on, and I would suggest yeah. that you watch the whole thing because it he yeah. nails it. He says a lot of the things that you've been saying, that Dr. McCary's been saying for years. And, you know, now my, my issue with this, and this really, it kind of pisses me off because it's been so spun in the media that he's just taking a shot at Kimmel about being on the Epstein list, which is not what he did. But his stuff on COVID is rock solid. And let's face it, Phil, he's been vindicated. Yeah, he has. And, and if you've been watching the stuff with the Oversight Committee, uh, with the with the the COVID oversight committee, they they've had Fauci up there a couple of days this week, and Fauci, you know, bless his heart, he can't even bring himself to admit that there was learning loss from the school closures. Stunning, stunning. He is so he was so much a big part of you know why schools were closed. But here's the thing: if Fauci were to acknowledge that there was in fact such harm from from closing schools, he would be essentially admitting that he is guilty and responsible for one of the most uh, egregious civil rights catastrophes of, of, of my lifetime. And I think it is a civil rights catastrophe, what happened to children. And so to tie this in with like Aaron Rodgers and, and people who are you know, reminding us of what we went through just a couple of short years ago, uh, it, it's not necessarily the best thing for the world and for society if we just forget about it all and move on to the current election or whatever the news of the day may be. And not we, we've got to make sure that we don't ever allow people in positions of power who are going to be so willing to repeat this, this, uh, this, all this stuff from, from the COVID era. Um, we are going to have the petty tyrant dictators like your uh, help leader there in St. Louis, who's just going to keep trying and trying and trying and all they need is just a little bit of a crack in the, in the dam and they'll get through it and they'll the next thing you know will be locked down again. Look, the learning loss thing is just so frustrating. You know, I, I tweeted this out today where Fauci tells the panel that he's not convinced that kids suffered learning loss. I mean, there's a couple of things we know for certain after the last few years. Masks don't work. There you go, definitively. And they effed up kids so badly that we're going to suffer the consequences for years. I mean, that is not even remotely in debate. It's not talked about enough, the learning loss, but the consequences will be feeling for a while. It is stunning to me. I think you're right that he can't admit it because then he's going to admit a lot of other things. But that one really, really caught me off guard. One more topic, Phil, for you this afternoon. Explain everything that's going on. I know you were on Fox earlier with Harris. You mentioned uh, some of the stuff with Fannie Willis and her own complications in court down in your neck of the woods in Atlanta. Explain that. Yeah, my friend and colleague, an attorney named Ashley Merchant, She's actually co-counsel with me on a case or two right now. She's a very good lawyer, very, very talented. She has uh, been diligent, and she dug up all kinds of information. She launched a, a, a I guess, basically a nuclear broadside, if you will, at the uh, at the indictment and prosecution, uh, you know, of which Trump is one of the co-defendants. She represents a guy named Michael Roman. But what she was able to piece together, and she brought receipts to prove it, is that the district attorney, uh, Fonnie Willis, was having a romantic relationship, an affair, if you will, with a private lawyer who she steered a no-bid government contract to, to to basically be the lead prosecutor in the case involving Trump and the others, despite the fact that he's got no felony trial experience. But it's a very, very lucrative contract, upwards of a million taxpayer dollars sent to him uh, so far. And the billing records indicate that not only are they having an affair, she's basically uh, benefiting financially from from this. It's it's almost like a it's almost like a kickback type scheme where 
the kickback that she's getting is in the form of romantic trips around the Caribbean on luxury cruises and trips to Napa and, and, and nice hotels and uh, cohabitating together with this man and things like that. So, so she's basically benefiting from the lavish lifestyle that this large uh, open-ended sort of contract that has no spending limits on it uh, that she's given to what the, her alleged lover in the case. And so um, his billing records, though, are the real, uh, I think, prize here that we he, he sent bills to, to Fulton County for, he bills it like in eight-hour blocks at $250 an hour. He sent uh, bills, and he says that, you know, this is for a meeting with the White House counsel, and there was, there was at least in what we've seen so far, and I think there's more. I mean, and I, and I say that for a reason, Mark. When I say I think there's more, I've got reason to think there's more, but what we have seen so far is that there were two instances where he billed for direct communications with the Biden White House prior to this indictment. So Fannie Willis, despite her protestations previously, is and was uh, either directly or certainly through her team, which includes uh, her alleged now boyfriend, um, they're, they're collaborating and communicating with the Biden White House about how to prosecute Biden. Yeah. Uh, chief political opponent. The numbers are sunny here, you mentioned. So he's been paid $654,000 in legal fees by the Fulton County DA's office since More just January yeah. of 2022. That's just in the last two years. And as you mentioned, the eight hours of work for this thing that happened supposedly May 23rd, it's listed on an invoice as travel to Athens, conference with White House counsel. On November 18th, he charged the county, this is in 2022 actually, $2,000 for an interview with D.C. White House. So the, uh, the you know, lots of billing here. Now, it's also my understanding, Fannie Willis is going to testify in his divorce case. Is that true? Yeah, she got, see, this is all connected. All right, so he's got a, he's got a divorce case in Cobb County, which is where I, my office is. I live in Fulton, so I'm right on the line. But in Cobb County, which is where Nathan Wade practiced criminal law for the longest, that's how I've known him. I met him 20-something years ago when he's practicing in Cobb. But so he's divorcing there, and it's still not settled. And so this was all, um, you know, adulterous, allegedly adulterous relationships. So now um, his wife, uh, through her counsel in the divorce case, has uh, is, is that Fannie Willis under subpoena is going to depose her under oath. So she's going to either have to admit to all this or she's going to lie about it, uh, you know. And uh, and so she she may I hope she has a lawyer of her own right now because um, the, the the that civil case that he's involved in the divorce case is a mechanism by which she can be forced to answer questions about all these things. And so yeah, it's all related and. Uh, and and you better believe we're going to be keeping our ear to the ground monitoring this. Um, and I've I've actually, to be honest with you, I've known that this was the issue, and I've known this was coming for several months. And uh, I wasn't in a position to say anything. My dog, my dog, yeah, your dog agrees with you. Your dog's like, yeah, Phil, you should have been talking about this all along. Now, one final question, and I'll let you take the dog out. Does this potentially have any effect then on her charges against Trump? Yeah, the whole thing could collapse. It could implode. Uh, she could be disqualified from um, from further participation in the case. She was disqualified from investigating Lieutenant Governor Jones because she had thrown after she was elected DA. She she threw a fundraiser for uh, his opponent when he was running for lieutenant governor, and so and then of course he was. This is while she was also investigating him as part of this same case, and the judge ruled that. She was disqualified from taking any further action against him because of this political conflict wow. of interest. Yeah, that's so interesting. It, it, 
Yeah, and so this is this is take this is that on steroids. So this is an absolute conflict of interest. The whole thing, you know, people are entitled to um, basically a a fair uh, investigation. They're entitled to a prosecutor who uses their judgment in a fair way because if not, it can amount to a due process violation and it could could kill the whole indictment. Wow, fascinating! And just when you think something's going in one certain way, it turns in the other direction. Phil Holloway, thank you so much for coming on as always, and uh, have a great week and weekend. We'll talk soon. You bet, buddy. Take it. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.